Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. How you doing this Easter Sunday? Good? Try it again. How you doing this Easter Sunday? Good? Okay, now I believe you, okay? Wow, front row, good for you, man. Oh. Well, this morning, <laughs> I just like to joke like that. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about death lost. Is that okay? And I'm a guy that uh, I like a really good movie that, that actually has in there. I know you're shocked I like movies, right? But I like when movies has that death resurrection event in there. Anybody like stuff like that? Like, how many Matrix fans here, the first Matrix movie? Any? How, that means you're old. It's like 21 years old. But anyway... <laughs> Remember when, when Neo, when, Neo was, when, he was, when he died, remember? And I thought, the movie's over, that's it, there'll never be part two or anything like that. And then Neo comes back to life, remember that? And how many were really happy at that moment? Because you knew there'd be a part two, amen, right? But one of the feel-good times that um, I really liked in movies is when E.T. came back from the dead. Anybody like that? Remember how good you felt when E.T.'s oh, yeah. e. back? He's going to phone home now, you know? And so I was really happy about that one, too. So Hollywood has had their share of... Uh, really good uh, come back from the dead feel good moments but one of the, the but the best return from the dead uh, story ever is the one we find in the scriptures and that's Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead amen, amen. today I'm going to talk to you about that shocking right shocking and I'm going to talk to you about that but I'm going to give you three things today about that the three E's I'll call them I'm going to give you event then I'll give you evidence then I'm going to give you eternity event evidence and eternity and every year if you don't know this about preachers every year we try to figure out what's going to be our different angle on the resurrection that we're going to share with you on Easter Sunday because you know what I'm already going to talk about correct and so how am I going to bridge that gap how am I going to take that home so we're going to look at event evidence eternity so if you have a Bible open up to Mark chapter 16 and first we're going to look at the event of the resurrection just in case some of you are not familiar with the event of the resurrection now in Mark chapter 16 and verse 1 and I'm going to do commentary as I go it says here when the Sabbath was over so now Sabbath is from Friday evening to Saturday night that's over Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that it might come and anoint him, him meaning Jesus, the dead body. Very early on the first day of the week, that's Sunday morning, first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Now let me explain to you what's going on here, because the question would be, why are they coming early Sunday morning, and why are they bringing spices, these ladies, right? Just for the sake, for me to make it simple, they're carrying spices, ladies. I'm going to call them the Spice Girls. Is that all right? I'll just call them that all right. I don't know which one's Scary Spice, but we'll figure it out later, all right? There is a Scary Spice, right? How'd you know? No, I'm just joking. But anyway, um, they're bringing spices to the tomb. Now, why are they doing this? Why are they doing it early Sunday morning? Well, when Jesus was taken off the cross, it was that Good Friday, and it was nearing evening time. Sabbath was about to begin. They cannot work on the Sabbath. They cannot do anything like that. So as that e the sun set on that Friday, they knew from Friday evening to Saturday evening, nothing can be done. 
So they took Jesus off the cross very quickly, got him off fast they could. Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea are the ones, put him in Joseph's tomb, and they get him in there fast. They put the spices they had on the body, and that is to stop uh, the smell of decaying flesh because Jesus is dead. So now the Sabbath has happened, but they can't come Saturday night because they don't have flashlights, they don't things like that. So you have to wait till Sunday morning when it's bright out. So they're coming at the crack of dawn on Sunday morning, these ladies. And they're bringing more spices to the tomb because they're going to do it right. They're really going to spice up the body so the decaying flesh does not smell. Now, they're walking to the tomb now, these ladies. Look at verse 3. It says this. They were saying to one another. Now they're talking with each other. They've got a problem. Here's the problem. Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Now here's the dilemma. We've got the spices. We're going to go put more spices on the dead body of Jesus. But that stone that takes about 20 guys to roll into place, because it's heavy, it's one and a half to two tons in weight. They're thinking, there's a few of us ladies here. We need people to help us roll this stone out so we can get in there and we can put more spices on the dead body. Now, I want you to think about their dilemma. You and I both know 2,000 years later, as they walk there, we already know the stone's been rolled, correct? Say yes, please. Okay, okay good. You're going, oh, I'm not sure about that. You know, yes, it's been rolled, all right? So they're walking there and they're wondering, how are we going to roll this stone away? But the stone's already been rolled away. So think about the application first for our lives. That as I follow Christ, and I'm walking in the will of God, God has already worked out what I'm worrying about in my future. Amen to that one? God has already worked out what I'm worrying about in my future. They are worrying about how will I roll the stone. God has already worked that out in their future. Let me give you another thought on these ladies as they walk to the tomb. There's no way they can roll this stone. Mary Magdalene is one of the ladies. And she's going to get there. And she's going to get that stone rolled. She's going to get those spices on that dead body of Jesus. That's her mission. She don't know how, but she's going to do it. Now think about that. She doesn't know how this is going to happen. So what motivates her? To do something that she knows is impossible. What keeps pushing her? I'll tell you what it is. It's love. Jesus said this one day, and it's very true. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. He who has been forgiven little, loves little. Mary Magdalene, so much. Mary Magdalene has been delivered of so much. And because she has, she thoroughly appreciates that, and therefore she has a great love for her Savior, Jesus Christ. So that motivates her to keep going to the tomb. Amen? You see, as a follower of Christ, when I forget what God has done for me, how He has forgiven me, what He has delivered me from, what the life, my life would have been like had I not turned it over to Jesus Christ, when I forget these things, I lose some of my love for Jesus. Amen? But the more I remember and I appreciate 
And I think what my life would have been like without him. And I realize the forgiveness of God and how many sins, how many tens of thousands of sins I've been forgiven of. It motivates me and it keeps my love for him very strong. And that drives this woman, Mary Magdalene, to that tomb that day. Let's read on. Now watch. It says in verse 4, they're approaching. They get to the tomb now. It says, looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled, although it was extremely large. Now they got a dilemma. Now they're processing. Now we know we needed someone to roll the stone away, but the stone is rolled away. And how did that happen? Who did that? And what's going on? So as they walk there, they're thinking, okay, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But they're going there. Now let me tell you something in case you didn't know this. The women did not expect, the disciples did not expect Jesus to rise from the dead. Amen? None of them thought that. Jesus told them again and again. He prophetically stated it to them, but they didn't believe it, and they didn't understand it. The disciples are hiding at this moment. They're not still in the body. They're terrified of dying. The women, they're coming there because they think Jesus is dead. I'm going to put spices on his body. So nobody thought there would be no body in that tomb. And so they walked there, and the stones rolled away. Mark, the writer of this gospel, who many scholars believe got this gospel from Peter, Peter being one of the twelve. Mark says they saw the stone rolled away. And the word rolled that is used here, that Greek word is very interesting. It means to roll uphill. It means up a slope. Now, if you think about the weight, one and a half to two tons, and it's rolled uphill, they now know this is a supernatural event that has just occurred. But they can't process it all. It's still kind of blowing their mind at that moment. So let's read on and see what happens in the event. It says in verse 5, Entering the tomb, they saw a young man. Now there's somebody in there. A young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe and they were what? amazed how many would be amazed? you go in there first off Jesus isn't here and we got all this spice but there's a young guy sitting in the tomb I go what is going on here? What, what's up with this? now let me give you a sidebar that I think is really cool we have four writers of these gospels there's one gospel four writers four different perspectives now John in another gospel he tells us there wasn't one guy there there were two guys there and they're angels so we know it's an angel we know there's two angels there when you put all the stories together of the different perspectives and I told you last week you say well how can that be so contradiction no if four of us stood there and saw an accident we were interviewed we'd give our perspectives on it amen and that's all that is now there's two angels in there and John the gospel writer says this one angel was sitting at the head of where Jesus laid, and the other angel was sitting at the feet of where Jesus was laid. Jesus is not there anymore. So one angel at the feet, one angel at the head, on this slab carved out for a dead body of Jesus. Jesus was a bloody mess, was he not, when they took him off the cross? They would wrap him in strips of cloth. The blood would have seeped through, correct? So on that slab, would you have any blood stains on that slab? You better believe you would. So you have this slab, blood stain. You have at the head, at the feet, an angel, and at the head, an angel. What is that a picture of? 
the Ark of the Covenant. Come on, you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? The Ark of the Covenant. You have an angel on one side. The Ark was a little coffin-like box covered in gold. There was an, a lid on it with an angel on one side with the wings spread this way, angel on the other side, wings spread this way. The priest would come in once a year, sprinkle the lamb's blood on top of that lid. It's called the mercy seat or propitiation New Testament. And sin would be covered for one year. Not washed away, not cleansed, but just covered. But Jesus comes along, and he's not an, an animal. He's, not a lamb. he's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, correct? And so now you see the picture of the Ark of the Covenant there, where Jesus comes, and what he does, he doesn't cover our sins for one year. He cleanses and washes away our sins for all time. Amen to that one? And that changes life right there. Now, let's read on. It says um, in verse 6, now the angel's going to talk. And he said to them, do not be amazed. First off, really? I, I'd be overwhelmed at that moment, okay? You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Yeah, yeah, we are. Who has been crucified? He has risen. He's not here. In case you haven't noticed. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. What did the angel tell him? Jesus, you're looking for him, right? He was here. He's not here. He's risen. Death lost. He's gone. He rose from the dead. Now, if you're the ladies not expecting Jesus to rise from the dead, you thought a dead body would be there, what are you thinking? I mean, I, I wouldn't even know what to think. I'd be so perplexed. It, it's boggling my mind at this moment. So I don't know if it's computing fully, but they're getting it little by little. Now watch. Verse 7 in the event. The angel gives instructions. He says, but go tell his, Jesus' disciples, and, and, and Peter. Whoa. He, Jesus, is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. He told you he was going to rise from the dead. You didn't believe it. Now, the angel says this. Okay, ladies, you go back to the disciples. And by the way, you tell Peter this specifically. Because Jesus told us, make sure you use the name Peter. Tell, say Peter. You go tell the guys that Jesus is going to meet you in Galilee. They're in Jerusalem right now because that's where the crucifixion, and that's where Jesus was entombed, in Jerusalem. But he says, I want you to meet, Jesus wants you to meet him in Galilee. So they're in the south of Israel, but he wants them to walk about 80 miles to the north of Israel to the Galilee area and meet Jesus up in the Galilee area. That's the instructions right there. Now, if you're Peter, and if you know the story of Peter, what are you thinking the moment the ladies say, hey, these angels showed up there, Jesus' body's not there, stone was rolled, and they said, Peter, Jesus wants to see you. And he wants you to meet him in Galilee. Man, I'd be like Jonah. I'd go the other way, okay? i go, no, are you, what? You know, because you know you've, you've let him down, right? You know you denied him. And so, I don't know. So is Jesus going there to rebuke and set Peter straight? Yeah, no, not really. 
He's going to set him straight, all right, but he's going, to, he's going to restore Peter. He's going to put him on solid ground so he walks the way he's supposed to walk and do the things he's supposed to do for God in his life. Amen to that one? God comes to restore our lives. God comes to give us purpose and reason. Now, these are the events of everything. But here would be my question. As a friend of mine once told me, a old high school friend, he said to me, he said, Jim, I just can't believe anyone could rise from the dead. Now, I really couldn't explain it to him that time because he was a little bit intoxicated. So there's no sense in explaining it at that moment. You know, but when he said it, he said it. And I thought, you know, that's haunted me, that statement. I can't believe that someone could rise from the dead because that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, that goes against everything that we see and believe and feel and the whole shot. How can someone rise from the dead? Well, that goes to evidence. See, Christianity... Some people think that Christianity is just a blind faith. You just got to believe. No. It's not just you just got to believe. Christianity is an evidence-based faith. Let me explain. And we've done this many times at New Beginnings, and I'm going to keep doing it many times more so it sinks in and sinks in so we can spit these things out in the defense of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let me give you some stuff maybe to take home with you. Maybe you've never heard it before. But these are called the minimal facts, and there's so many more, but I'm going to share a few with you right now. How can I believe it? How can I believe someone rose from the dead? Well, the first thing I want to do is take you outside the Gospels, the four Gospel writers, because some people will say, well, the disciples are biased. They're, they, you know, they're making it up. Well, okay, let's go outside the, the disciples. There's a guy by the name of Paul. Paul is a man who persecuted Christians. Did he not? He would drag them out of homes and throw them in jail. Did he not? He would murder Christians, wouldn't he? And his, that was his job. Stomp out Christianity. Stomp out this Christian movement. That's what he was living for. And then one day, this guy has an encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. And it changes his life forever. Change it. It's a historical fact. These are historical facts. And this guy turns around and he begins to start churches all over the Mediterranean, and this guy pushed Christianity into the world. I mean, his life changed. Now, you may say, oh, it's just one guy. No, this guy was a brilliant man. This guy was highly educated. This guy, scholars say he was a first-rate philosopher because if you read the book of Romans, he knew how to put arguments together brilliantly. So he's no slouch. This guy changed. How does a guy like that change who's, gonna, who's murdering Christians and now becomes a Christian? He saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. Historical fact. But I'll give you another one. I'm going to give you a few of them this morning. The, I love, this is one of my favorites. You guys know this. The brother of Jesus by the name of James, right? Half-brother, same mom, different dad. Amen? Now, James one day with the fam came to get Jesus because they thought Jesus, their brother, was What? crazy he's out of his mind what's this guy doing they came to get him one day they didn't believe he was the messiah they didn't believe anything like that about him and then Jesus, and then of course jesus dies rises from the dead later and then james becomes a follower of jesus james believes his brother is the messiah how does how in the world does that happen he saw him resurrect he saw his brother alive again i like to ask this question every time i talk about james what would it take for you to believe that your sibling is Messiah, God in the flesh? What would it take? Now, I have a problem because my siblings always think I'm the Messiah. No, I'm just joking. Okay. That's bad. That's bad. Okay, that's bad. Now, 
So here's another evidence that something happened. He changed his life, and he becomes the head of the church in Jerusalem. But one of my favorites is the Jerusalem factor. Let's think about this for evidence sake. Now, where did the crucifixion take place? What city? Jerusalem, not a true question. Where was Jesus buried? What city? Same city. Say it. Jerusalem. That's right, right there. Okay. Where did the church age begin with an explosion of 3,000 followers in a moment of time? What city? In Jerusalem. Now, wait a minute. And they're not big cities. They're very small at that time. There are plenty of people who want to stomp out, stop Christianity from ever starting, ever getting more, everything. So, Christianity begins in the very city where Jesus is crucified and buried. What's the one thing that you would logically do to stop Christianity from spreading if you are an enemy of the gospel? What's the one thing you do if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Go 400, 500 yards, okay, open up that tomb, go get that dead body, and come parade it around for everyone to see it, right? That would have stopped it right there. But they didn't do that. You know why? Jesus rose from the dead. That tomb was empty. Now, somebody's going to think to themselves, wait a minute, you know what? They, they couldn't have done that because the body was so decayed nobody would recognize it. No, medical science has already stated that in the 50 days from that moment to that moment in that arid climate, you still would have recognized the body. The body would not have decayed that much. And even if it did decay that much, they still would have gone and got that dead body or some dead body and paraded it around. Amen to that one? They would have done it. They're going to try to stop it. They didn't do that because he rose from the dead. That tomb was empty, my friends. Or how about this one? Another minimal fact. That is, how about the disciples? The disciples. These guys gave their lives for the gospel. They're always in fear of death, constantly. Why would they keep doing this? What is it? Well, they died for what they believed. Now, somebody's going to say, there's a lot of crazy religious people who died for what they believed. Look at 9-11. Yes, they died for what they believed. The disciples, they died for what they saw. See, you got to think about, they're the first, they're the eyewitnesses of the resurrection, right? They would be the ones to make up the lie, wouldn't they? And so therefore, likely, why would they all die for something they made up? Maybe a couple of them would be dumb enough to do that. But all, all these guys, no way. No way. And so that's another evidence right there. But one of my favorite ones is this. Who was walking to the tomb that morning? Wait, it louder? Oh, the women. All four gospel writers write that the women were the first eyewitnesses at the tomb. All four Gospels were written in different parts of the Mediterranean. They weren't in one room all saying, hey, let's write this down. What's fascinating about that from a historical scholarship perspective is this. At that time in history, in that part of the world, a woman's testimony in court was considered questionable or worthless. So, if you're going to push this Christianity, this gospel, what's the last thing you would write about it on paper? You would never use women as the first eyewitnesses. 
You wouldn't do that. Because people would just say, ah, that's hogwash. In fact, proof in the Gospels that the women's testimony was considered worthless. When the women go back and tell the disciples, he's risen from the dead, how many of them run back to the tomb and believe the women? Two. Peter and John, the other, t- the other nine are like, eh, forget that. Only two. Because you didn't, they wouldn't trust a woman's testimony. So that's another one right there that shows that something happened. This resurrection is true. Now, here's one of my, I, I just think these things. I, I, maybe I think too much on these things. It, it's astonishing to me. Now, just listen to this. That people can think that we evolved from a single organism but find it impossible to believe that a God-man rose from a single tomb. Do you hear what I said? It's interesting that people can believe that we evolved from a single organism, but they find it impossible to believe that a God-man rose from a single tomb. They say that Evolution has taken place over millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of years. That we've been evolving. Humans are evolving. Species are evolving. All kinds of animals. If that were the case over millions and millions and millions and millions of years, how many transitional, meaning in between this to this to this, how many transitional species would we find? How many bones would we find in this world? Millions and millions and millions. How many do we have? Zero. Nothing. Every time they find a bone of a chimpanzee, they say, oh, we found our ancestor. No, you found your ancestor. <laughs> and it's always disproven. You would have millions of bones, millions of transitional species. They have none. And yet they still believe it. They still believe it. It's fascinating to me. So we have the event, and we have the evidence that backs up the event. But there's one more big issue that I want to drive home in application this resurrection morning. Because I think it really speaks to where we're at today. Because as I struggled and thought, what is it? What's the big point for this year in the resurrection? And that is eternity. Eternity. Let me explain. We are now a little over two years pandemic, correct? And nothing I'm going to say I make light of, but you know, I'm a wise guy, so sometimes I do, all right. Most people in this church know, and this is why I don't make light of it. Uh, my son Dylan and I, we carried my wife to the car. She's one of the small fraction of people that got it real bad. She doesn't remember it. She was running 104.9 fever, shallow breathing. She couldn't walk. We had to lift her. We had to carry her. We had to get her in the car. We had to get her to the hospital as fast as possible. So, I'm not making light of it. There's a small fraction of people that had to go to the hospital. It was bad for them, very bad. So all of a sudden, death is real, huh? Huh. But haven't we always had pandemic off and on around us through history? The Black Plague, remember that? You ever read about that? 70 to 100 million people. Eurasia were killed, 20% of the world's population. That was a pandemic. How about the flu of 1918 and 1920? That killed 20 to 50 million people. That's a pandemic. Some of us now, we know we've lived through HIV AIDS, amen? 
We've watched that. Remember when that first hit? Remember how people were terrified? I remember back in the 80s. 32 million people plus have died from that too. So all of a sudden this pandemic hits. And here's what's weird to me. I found it fascinating the whole time. It's like all of a sudden death is real. Death has always been real, hasn't it? Death has always been with us. But all of a sudden we're very vulnerable to the possibility of death. I could die. All of a sudden it's very real. Jesus has an answer to these things. Because somebody might say, what's, what's God doing about this? He answered it a long time ago. Let me explain. I counted up how many funerals I've done in the last two years. 27. Very few of them from COVID. I say that to say, there's all kinds of reasons people die. Amen? Death has always been with us. It's always been there. But all of a sudden... People are terrified. Have you met anyone terrified lately in the last couple of years? I have. Just terrified of it. But Jesus had the answer. Think about this. Let's go back to the resurrection. Let's go back to the disciples. The disciples, as they spread the gospel around the Mediterranean, every day, every day, every time they shared, because there was such opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ like there is today. Every day their lives were in danger. Every day, they were possibly going to get beat up again or thrown in jail. And it happened many times to these guys. But they'd get up, and they'd keep going. They'd get up, and they'd keep going. Beat up, get up, and keep going and sharing, knowing that it could kill them tomorrow. Somebody's going to kill them for this. What kept them going? What kept them going knowing that death was always at the door because of this? They saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. He is risen, death lost. Amen? Now, let's not stop there. Now, let's take Paul. Let's go back to Paul. This, this guy who changed teams. He went from being a murderer of Christians to a Christian. This guy, as you read the New Testament, how many times that guy was beat up? How many times? One time they left him for dead. Got beat up so bad they left him for dead. And then he gets up. Of course, well, later on he comes back to the same place where they beat him up. And he shares the gospel. Why would he keep doing this? They throw him in prison sometimes. One night they have him in stocks. It's crazy. And then he ends up dying a martyr's death. Eusebius says that his, he, was, he was chopped in half. His head was chopped off. That's said they killed him. Why would he keep doing this? Because he saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. There's no other reason. This is what kept him going. This is the answer to pandemic. It's the answer to the fear of death. Isn't it? Watch what Paul writes. Watch what he says. He says this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What's he talking about? He's talking about all the things he's going through. He says it doesn't even compare to eternity. I can handle this. I can do this because I know there's a life beyond this life. And then he says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Right? Do you hear what he just said? He said, look, yeah, I'll keep preaching. I'll keep getting beat up. I'll keep risking my life. 
because I've seen the resurrected Jesus. And everything I'm going through now doesn't compare with the glory that I know is on the other side. Jesus tells a really religious man, he says, as most, he says this, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man, meaning himself. Jesus said, I'm, I've come from heaven. There is a heaven. And now he opens the door to us through the resurrection. Let me drive it home with this. It was, um, it was October the 17th, 2008 started off as a great day then it ended up to be one of the worst days of my life some of us in this room we were at a men's retreat up at Pinecrest and after the Friday night service a couple of the guys his name's Tony and then Jay they were on their Harleys they drove them up there and they were staying at a different location than us and they drove off that night after the service I could hear the Harleys ramble out few minutes go by and then I hear the yelling is there a doctor is there a doctor Corbin I think you were the one yelling it if I remember right huh is there a doctor is there a doctor it's 14 years ago and you're thinking okay somebody's suffering from something something happened and then it got more serious and then we realized somebody said that on the motorcycle that Tony had gone down right as soon as he left Right where he's within a quarter mile of where we were and we start running we start running to where he's at and we get there and nobody saw it happen so nobody knows the exact thing but there was blunt force trauma to the chest he had to have been thrown we get there his bike and him were down along the embankment on the side of the road some of the guys got his bike up put it on the road some of us went down to Tony and we got Tony and he, he's a big guy I mean He's like about five, eleven, six feet. He's about two hundred and fifty pounds, sixty pounds. He's he's he'd break your head off like an like a toothpick. But God changed that guy's. He was such an angry guy, and God changed that guy's life. You saw the power of God in that guy's life. And we're holding him in our arms. I remember his breathing was like this. And we're talking to him, and he couldn't talk. And then a few seconds, he goes. I go, hold on, Tony. They called the ambulance. I sent my son, Nathan, go down to the street where the turn-in is, you're at Pinecrest. Make sure that ambulance does not pass by this road. So Nathan runs to the street. And the ambulance gets there. Paramedics come over here. We're holding Tony. We get out of the way. They take him. And I remember thinking, they don't seem too urgent about this. They take him down the mountain. We get in the vehicle. We're driving down the mountain to the hospital there in San Bernardino. What I didn't know was that Tony died in our arms. I had no idea of that. Because, you know, you're hoping, right? I didn't know that certain breath was the last breath. I had no idea. He was a good friend of mine. And so we get down to the hospital. And his wife was already met us there. And I know, Jennifer, you, I think you were there too, huh? And I was in the room there and with his wife. And the doctor looks and he says, I'm sorry to inform you, but... Um, he passed away. I ran out of the room. I went to the waiting room where a lot of New Beginnings people were. And I told Jennifer, I told her, you need to go in there with Lisa right now because Tony passed away. And I remember I was in, in the waiting room outside, not with him in there, and I, was, I started crying and crying. I never cried like that in my life. 
it was such a traumatic event. I just couldn't believe it. It was just one of those things where it's like, this can't, this can't be possible. It can't be happening. We're at a Christian men's retreat. But he passed away that night. We had a service here. Some of you were there. I remember I stood up on the platform as conducting the funeral, and I remember the last words I said in that funeral. And I, and I know them to be true. I said, Tony, I will see you again. Hey, no doubt in my mind. Because of the event of the resurrection, the evidence of the resurrection, and because of the eternity part of the resurrection. Fear of death? I don't want to die before my time, but I'm not going to walk in fear of it because one day I'm just going to shed this body. There's a spirit and a soul in me that's going to go with God and I'll get a new incorruptible body. That's God's answer. That's reality. Someone once said, you Christians, you invented God. You invented all this stuff because of your fear of judgment after you die. Hmm, that's interesting. Because I could say the opposite truth. You atheists, you invented no God because of your fear of judgment after you die. Because you don't want to face it. Right? See, I hold on to the reality, the evidence. And the evidence says, historically, there was Jesus. He did die on a cross. There is historical evidence of the resurrection. And we can walk in new life and we can know that after we die, we go into eternity with him. Death loses. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm done. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us the solution and the answer. Now, very simply today, I've given you all the facts. Here's the God-man Jesus. What are you going to do with him? Because Jesus said, you must be born again. And he told that to one of the most religious guys in all of Israel. Meaning, religion is not going to save you, Nicodemus. You must be born again. What does that mean? It means you must confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then the Spirit of God will come in to live in you. Your sins will be washed away. And you'll carry the Spirit of God in you, the DNA of God. And that changes your life. It starts to change everything about you. But you'll become a son or a daughter of God. And if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus this morning, if this is something you'd like to do, you've never done this, and it's time to walk with Jesus because it makes sense now, more than anything else makes sense, or maybe you back, so it's time to come back to Jesus Christ. That I want you to do this. I want you who want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life, I want you right where you're sitting to open up your eyes and look at me. I'm going to look around the room. Once our eyes have met, and I'm talking to you at home also who are watching online, once our eyes have met, you can close them. But do it right now as I look around the room. Do it right now. God bless you. 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 I'll get to you guys. God bless you. God bless you. 
God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yep. God bless you. And God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, I'm going to say this prayer. And those of you who looked up at me, I want you to repeat it after me. Everyone in this room who's a Christian is going to repeat it with you so you're not alone. But as you say it, you just believe in Jesus the Messiah, the only God and Savior. And the Spirit of God is going to come and live in you and wash away all your sins through the blood of Jesus. So let's repeat out loud. Those at home who looked up at me, you repeat too. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me, that you would carry my sins on your body, on a cross, that you would shed your blood to forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins, and I know I'm forgiven. Today, I choose to follow you. Come dwell in me. Be my God, Savior, and Lord. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray. God, I pray for everyone who looked up in this room or at home. I hope and I pray and I encourage you to get into church, begin to worship God. Begin to learn about this Jesus now, the God-man whom you now serve and follow. Get a Bible. If you don't have one, get one in the lobby at, at the Welcome Center. Simple translation that you can begin with and understand. Stay in the New Testament for a couple years so you understand who your Savior is. And begin to learn and grow and get around other Christians to help you learn and grow. You cannot walk alone in this stuff. You cannot. Because now you've switched teams. And now you're on God's team. And the enemy wants to get you back. But don't let him. You walk strong. You walk in the team. Thank you, Lord, for this day, God, for your goodness to us. Thank you that all of heaven rejoices over anyone who repents and comes to Jesus Christ. Amen and amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.